Hi, welcome to Forbes India Teenpreneurs, a weekly podcast series where we speak with the young and restless, literally entrepreneurs and innovators under the age of 20. This is your host Naini Thakur and welcome to the latest episode of Teenpreneurs. On today's episode, we have 16-year-old Arushi Agarwal who has started an initiative called Unknown 16. As part of this project she has helped set up four STEM labs in Bihar for underprivileged children to learn STEM subjects. Arushi is from Haryana. She moved to Bangalore later and then to New Jersey when she was 10 years old. Currently she's studying in class 11. Although she's in New Jersey at the moment, she wakes up at 5 a.m. on weekends to teach close to 300 children across four villages via virtual classes. Stay tuned as Arushi talks more about this project how she raised funds for these classes and her plans to scale up this project um arushi why don't you start by telling us a little about what inspired you to come up with a project like unknown 16 so starting off this kind of all started when i first joined my robotics team in 7th grade um before that i knew nothing about coding and i kind of just wanted to try new things okay. at that point But I, after my first year, I sort of just fell in love with the concept of building robots from scratch, kind of, you know, making things move. I kind of just fell in love with that concept. And that's when, you know, I continued doing robotics, continued learning new things from mechanical to programming. Um, so that's, that's kind of where my love for programming started. And in eighth grade, we made it to our first first world championship in Detroit, Michigan. So that was a really big kind of um um that was a really big uh event for me. There were just so many people and it was there was a lot of excitement. And over there I got to kind of see this broad view of how STEM really is across the world. And over there I met so many all girls teams and that kind of made me reflect on my team which I hadn't noticed before was that out of 16 members only two of us were girls. Oh. So so kind of seeing how that was happening like taking that comparison in um kind of started to get me thinking um in 2008th grade it made me curious on you know why is this happening um and that kind of that question sort of led into me starting unknown 16 how can i promote girls and after talking to this girl at the world championship i learned that a big key and um why so many students are not um participating or taking initiative in these um stem opportunities was confidence mm. so talking to this girl i realized that a main thing in order to promote stem and you know young students young girls was kind of build, helping them build confidence mm. so in order to start that they had to take classes hold workshops and build curriculums and kind of help students you know um help them throughout their journey and have them build that confidence so they can also pursue their passion in stem awesome so earlier on um when you started the initiative it wasn't like it was entirely focused on underprivileged children right it was more um to of course encourage other girls um and you know uh, i suppose like um you know at the outset you also wanted also wanted uh, underprivileged children was it So yes, initially I just I developed curriculums. I took classes at my library kind of just teaching students and so I did scratch and python curriculums and a thing that I did in the initial stages on 16 was cold um it was cold emailing. So I would 
uh, reach out to a lot of NGOs. And since I, um, I, I'm from India, I decided that I wanted to kind of connect back to my home place. So I reached out a lot of NGOs in India yeah. saying that, you know, this is the curriculum that I developed, you know, would you like to teach it to your children? Yeah. So I was kind of just giving out my curriculum so they can further distribute it and yeah. teach it through. And I guess throughout the, um, in that process, I came across Project Lahanti and the work they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's when they kind of reached back and they said, um, you know, this uh, curriculum all sounds great. And really, all my students are really interested in learning programming. Mm-hmm. However, a big thing is that our students, they don't know English. Oh, So that's kind of really hit me hard and how, you know, we're in, in our world, in my perspective, you know, what I see on a daily basis was that people need to learn, people yeah. having difficulty learning programming, they don't have resources. But now I got to see uh, something from their perspective mm-hmm. and learning what they're facing was that they don't even know English in kind of this age where a lot of students kind of, instead of so instead of making that, uh, so I decided to teach them English first, okay. help them take that first step so then we can later move on to programming. Nice. So at the moment, they're learning English. Have they started uh, learning uh, programming at all? Yeah, so I've been teaching them English. Currently, we're um, we're helping them on like spreadsheet, like kind of working with computers. So the computers that I'd donated, um, the computers that they have right now, you know, kind of getting acquainted to them using Excel. Right. Um, so, yeah, like that. Okay, nice. Um, so at the moment, you know, uh, if you were to sum up, you know, what is the work that Unknown 16 is doing? So Unknown 16, the main goal and is to build confidence in young students and help them pursue their passion in STEM. Mm-hmm. And we do this by taking, workshop, taking workshops, hosting classes. And another big thing that we have started to do is incorporate the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals mm-hmm. into the curriculums. So helping students um, from an early age on think outside the box, right? How can the work that we do, the programming that we learn, mm-hmm. um, help you know combat these real life challenges? Mm-hmm. So kind of uh, one of my students is currently building a project on recycling, right? She's pretty young, so she had to do a little research on recycling mm-hmm. and kind of helping them think outside the box, build those uh, problem solving skills. Um, and in, in your opinion, Arshi, you know, why is it that underprivileged children in, in particular, you know, kind of, while you, I mean, like you said that, of course, very few girls are interested in STEM subjects, but I feel like underprivileged children also rarely get a chance to study STEM subjects. Why is it, you know, is, is that that technology barrier or, or why is it that, that they uh, rarely get a chance or an opportunity to study these subjects? I definitely think it's the fact that uh, the lack of resources, mm. right? Um, the amount of the textbooks that they have and being kind of, again, in that place where they don't have access to that much technology kind mm. of splits them apart from the world that does have an abundant access and technology, free um, Wi-Fi connection and kind of help cutting them off from that world it prevents them from kind of pushing themselves and from learning all these new topics. Mm. So like in one of my classes, sometimes we wouldn't have classes because whenever, whenever it rained, they would lose all Wi-Fi connection, oh. right? Just because it, um, it would rain. Yeah. So kind of having those, you know, electricity problems and 
you know, just those lack of resources to combat these daily life challenges mm-hmm. prevents them from taking that step further. Mm-hmm. So it's job, um, I think it's, it's our job personally mm-hmm. to help them overcome that barrier, right? To tell them that it's okay, right? It's okay that this obstacle exists, that we mm-hmm. can still continue, we can still do more. Mm-hmm. We can still help them throughout that journey by, you know, being there for, the, being there for them, helping them um, take those classes to build their confidence that you know it's okay that you have all these you know it's a, it's okay that these barriers exist yeah. you know we're here to help you overcome them right and and when it comes to teaching these guys you know um stem subjects or like you said even programming um you know um you think uh, it, it's how necessary is it for someone to know English because I suppose there would be no study material available in any of these regional languages or, or in Hindi um, um, at all, right? So how necessary is it for them to know English? So it depends. Um, so I guess starting off with, so for a little, um, a base programming language to build foundation for new students of Highland programming is Scratch, which is drag and draw, um, drop this programming. And I think Scratch is a really great way to kind of start their coding journey. Mm-hmm. And luckily, Scratch is available in different languages. Okay. Um, even though they have a long list of languages, I'm, I'm unsure if whether um, their language in the village in Bihar is available mm-hmm. on Scratch. However, I think if you if you really push yourself, Scratch is available in um, my languages. However, most programming like, languages like Python, Java, they do require like, you know, some understanding of English words because so many keywords and even though you can type and input text in your language, yeah. um, you still need to know some basic, you sure. know, understanding of English and punctuation. Sure. And when it comes to, you know, setting up these STEM labs in the first place, like you said that, you know, you would need to get these computers, internet access. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, you know, things involved. How, you know, what are the kind of challenges that you faced in, in setting up these four labs in itself? So I think a great thing was the donations that I received through my GoFundMe page. Um, I use a lot of them to first get them like recreational activities like textbooks and, you know, soccer mm. balls and things like that. And later, so from my family members in India, actually, um, we had computers delivered to them. Okay. Computers, webcams, mouses, so things like that through my family in India. Again, uh, kind of being in a different country does pose as a barrier, that time time difference. But again, I think receiving, um, you know, I think being together and kind of taking initiative together, like mm-hmm. my family members really helped me um, in donating and delivering those computers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that really helped overcome that obstacle. Yeah, and and like you said, you know, I mean, it would obviously be difficult being, um, you know, in another country and running operations here. How do you ensure that things run smoothly? Uh, I guess my primary goal is, I guess, taking classes Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever they're available, whenever they're not, you know, I'm, I think from my side, it was really important for me to be flexible for them, mm-hmm. right? In order to ensure everything went smoothly, I personally have to be flexible. So whenever they're available, I'll be able to take classes for them because obviously, you know, sometimes the Wi-Fi connections, um, and they all come from different villages. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes when electricity is out, they're not allowed to kind of leave their village Yeah. and kind of being able understanding that and 
kind of adjusting my own schedule mm-hmm. is really important in order to make these cl- make sure these classes run smoothly, mm-hmm. right? Because you know I don't I don't expect them to just because they're already kind of trying to overcome these many obstacles. Yeah. So it's important for my side to kind of make those to make those changes and so the classes can run smoothly. Fair enough. And currently, approximately, how many classes are you running uh, per week? And what would the age group be of the kids who you you know you're teaching? Um, okay, so I would take these classes um, in the beginning. There would be students from all age groups, from first grade to college students, and I would take these classes um, once or twice a week. Um, once or twice a week, and if there's if there if you have Wi-Fi issues and the classes get cut short, I would take them more than once. Uh, However, because of the virus, younger kids, it's difficult for younger kids to come. Mm. And so we're only doing with some older kids now. And I have volunteers that have been helping taking more classes. So they're taking classes and, you know, we're taking classes just multiple times a week for them now. So approximately how many kids would you have taught or maybe are currently teaching um, at the moment? Um, I would say more than 150 plus kids because different kids. I recently took a class this Friday and there were new kids coming in, right? Um, so I think that's a really great thing, right? They're not afraid of kind of trying and, you know, learning this new thing. So I think that's a really great um, aspect about these students. So you know, there are different students that are coming each time from young kids and, you know, 150 to 300 counting hmm. after the library. Hmm. And, and, the, the, and, and on ground, I suppose it would be Project Lahanti, all right, that would be running operations and ensuring that kids kind of come to class or attend classes and, and kind of doing the follow-ups with them, I suppose, correct? Yeah, so the students that would kind of help gather these kids are the college students that I'm teaching. Okay. So now how it's working is that because the younger kids can gather sometimes, mm-hmm. um, I would teach those college students okay. and the college students would later teach the younger kids. Understood. All right. So I think that's a really great, you know, yeah. aspect about teaching, right? Mm-hmm. What I teach and kind of giving back to the community. So what I would teach mm-hmm. would, that would later be taught to someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that chain process is really important in, mm-hmm. um, kind of helping overcome those barriers and helping everyone get the equal education that they deserve. Hmm. And you said that you you got um, funding or rather you, you, you know, you received funding via a, a website, I suppose, right? So are you looking to kind of tie up with, um, you know, larger organizations, any trust funds or CSR, uh, you know, CSRs funds of any particular organizations, anything on those lines? So apart from my GoFundMe page, I have actually reached out to a lot of um, companies who have CSR initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, initially, I wasn't, um, Unknown 16 wasn't a very established organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it still um, isn't, but I'm still working towards that. And a lot of companies, it was just, you know, I would just call email, you know, saying this is what I do. Would you like to kind of sponsor these initiatives? And I think that's a really great thing that I learned is how to receive a no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would get a lot of responses, but I continue to kind of overcome that and think about new ways to raise money for them, like the GoFundMe page and um, a Kickstarter campaign. Okay, nice. 
um and and uh, how do you plan to kind of scale up this idea and and you know uh, kind of take it to you know uh, other parts uh, across india so a great um uh, a great so a really important aspect of that is getting more volunteers okay i um so i'm kind of building that volunteer base helping them uh also kind of intensify with the volunteer hours so i'm kind of helping that incorporate to unknown 16 helping this launch to get actual volunteer hours and certificate mm-hmm. so that's something i'm looking into and kind of so if i think volunteers gather that would really and they're all so all my volunteers are from different places in india mm-hmm. so even though they're all teaching kids in bihar right now mm-hmm. um once things start to scale up they can definitely start teaching kids in their own community um again so donations and um i think donations are really important aspect of scaling up because then i can buy more resources uh you know textbooks computers mm-hmm. for those kids and you know after distributing to bihar distributing to other communities okay um to the reach of ngos in india right um if um if everyone is willing to as partner mm-hmm. it's definitely possible to scale up mm-hmm. right so again i'm reaching out to a lot of ngos saying this is what i'm doing to would you like to partner right teaching your kids do some curriculum adaptability taking classes mm-hmm. um yes yeah, so just reaching out to a lot of different organizations partnering up and i think that's yeah. um a really important key to scaling up sure and any particular ngos that that you're in talks with or any any you know um are planning to kind of tie up with them soon enough or rather even moving to you know new communities uh, any particular community that you're looking at in that space as well um currently there is um organization called sakshi yeah um uh and so i i had emailed a lot i haven't received a lot of responses back um so i'm can you say this one organization but i have received a response back saying they're interested okay that's great to hear um and uh, what are your plans you know at 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 a personal front uh you know um uh, do you do you plan to continue in the ngo space do you ever plan to move into you know um turning this into like a social enterprise or you know turning this into a for profit kind of an, kind of an enterprise anything on those lines yeah i definitely think um again i definitely think anansusia has potential scaling up in united states and in india mm-hmm. right so I guess on a personal level in terms of my future I'm definitely going to go into computer science and in terms of under 16 I guess um helping more volunteers so kind of to to scale up um I think a team mm-hmm. is really important so having that team in different areas right so in India um a lead in India a lead in you know a different city in United States so with those leads we can all kind of come together and you know figure on how what places to reach out to how to scale up and but yeah definitely in the future i think i'll definitely uh, i'll i'll definitely continue with unknown 16 mm. because i think there's a lot of potential in the work that we do sure um so i think partner up with a lot of organizations um yes yeah, so partner up with a lot of organizations kind of combining mm-hmm. the work uh would really help in scaling up Sure. Um, and one last thing, uh, Arshi, if you can talk a little about, you know, has 
because like you said that you know you've reached out to a bunch of these um, you know large organizations in order to you know check if they are willing to help you with funding um in in this process or rather even when you're teaching has age ever proven to be a barrier because i suppose you'd be working with you know like you said you're working with college kids and you're only 16 so you know um has has that been uh, difficult or a barrier for you so i think in terms of teaching kids um they do know that I'm 16 and honestly that hasn't posed much of a problem right because for them their main goal is to learn and that's what my main goal is to to help them learn and i think age isn't a factor in that right what important is that i'm capable enough to te- uh, help them learn and i think that's way more important mm-hmm. um in terms of reaching out to organizations a lot of people have been kind of like and again initially when i first started on 16 i was like 14 15 so people were a bit hesitant right about the work that i do you know you are kind of young i would give a response like you know wow kind of responses but yeah. um that would be it right that would be um it would be like wow and then that's it we're done <laughs> so, so yeah. i think um once i have that base with volunteers a base where i am um connected to already a lot of different ngos mm-hmm. um i think that would help uh you know people to disregard mm-hmm. the age factor because right now when people see that how young a student is they mm-hmm. would just be like oh wow that that's amazing and mm-hmm. that would just be it right mm-hmm. um so i think once they see once i kind of establish Um, a lot of the work that Unsuccine does, and I think people would tend to just just regard the age factor and look more into, you know, how to partner. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. It is incredible that sitting out of another continent, you were doing such great work back in India. Wishing you all the very best. Thank you for listening to Forbes India Teenpreneurs. We'll be back next week with another teenpreneur. See you then. Today's show was edited and mixed by Manswini Kaushik. If you like this show don't forget to share and subscribe. Also check out our other podcasts the fortnightly series on our latest cover story called Inside Forbes India and Capital Ideas that serves up some of the most riveting success stories in the world of business.